News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, COVID cases continue to surge, which got us thinking this morning on News Talk Breakfast. Are we handling COVID in the correct way? Uh, for more on this, I'm joined now by Professor of Immunology and Director of the Kathleen Lonsdale Institute for Human Health Research at Maynooth University, Paul Moyna. Good morning to you, Paul. Um, Paul, loads of news at the moment about COVID, the surge in cases, maybe the next round of boosters being rolled out and indeed concerns over long COVID where are we at in terms of, of the pandemic? Because, uh, you know, there was a study out last week that said 10% of the population think that it's over and 40% think we should bring back a mask mandate. Yeah, good morning, Kira. I, I think we seem to be settling into a pattern now where we see these periodic waves and they're coming, they seem to be coming quite frequently every mm. four months or so. And I think there's probably two reasons to that in terms of that, that frequency one is after a bout of infection or wave of infection or a round of vaccination, we do produce antibodies, but those antibodies wane over time and the antibodies protect us against infection. And because they wane, we become more susceptible to infection. And then also as well, periodically, we see the arrival of new variants. Yeah. And the ones we're looking at now, these subvariants of Omicron, BA4, BA5, they're very good at evading the, our antibody-mediated immunity. But importantly, we have another part, another arm to immunity, which are the T-cells, which if you are infected, that's the protective measure we have to go in and get rid of the virus. And that's standing up really well. Long and that's why we don't get well. seriously ill the way we exactly. maybe did in the, in the initial, exactly. the initial so, so strains. The, yeah, so the, so the T-cells go in and if you are infected, they clear the virus very effectively, quickly. So we get infected in the upper respiratory system and so the virus is cleared before it gets down into the lower respiratory system. And then on top of that, lucky in some ways that the Omicron subvariants they infect the upper respiratory mm. system very efficiently, but not the lower respiratory system as efficiently. So it doesn't progress down. And as a result, then with that combination in terms of the protective effects of the vaccine through the T cell mediated immunity and with these Omicron variants, the large numbers do not translate into, you know, high numbers in ICU. So what does that mean? Because if, if Paul, for people listening, right, they're being bombarded with, with stuff about COVID at the moment. But but if it is the case that that we're all going to get it every four months. Does that mean that we have to suck it up and get on with it and, and sort of put it to the back of our mind? Or does that mean that we permanently need to change our behaviour? Or does that mean that we just have to live with this for a while and, and there's no getting away? What, what, what does it actually mean in terms of what do you think we should be doing? So I think the reality here is the, the virus is staying here. It's mm. mutating all the time. We're getting new variants uh, coming along. I think in terms of, you know, mass boosting every four months, I'm not so sure how practical that is. I, I certainly agree with terms of targeting boosting, especially around older age groups and vulnerable age groups. I think from a technology point of view, you know, we've asked a lot of these vaccines. These vaccines were designed to protect against serious illness and they're still doing that. I think if we if if we continue to boost with the objective in terms of trying to prevent infection, I think that's going to fail. So I think we have to look at new technologies and ask companies to step up to the mark in terms of, you know, potentially nasal vaccines, because the antibodies we tend to focus on in the bloodstream, that's not the primary site of infection, it's in the respiratory yeah. system. So we need to look at maybe nasal vaccines where we get that, what we would call mucosal immunity, where we get protection in the respiratory system to prevent infection. And 
I think we also need to look at maybe long-term designing vaccines against parts of the virus that wouldn't mutate as frequently or as quickly as, for example, the spike protein that forms the basis of all of our vaccines. So I think that's what we do. But I think the reality is, Kieran, as we go into the winter months, we probably need to plan for additional waves. It's a little bit unknown. With waning immunity, we're announcing yeah. to get a wave dependent as well in terms of what... You're uh, coming and going slightly from, from us, Paul. I don't know if you're able to, able to, to adjust your phone in oh, some way. Yeah. Um, I suppose what it, what I, I'm trying to get at or, or what I'm trying to work out my, myself is, is I know the new interim CMO has been talking about masks in certain areas and, and I think we're all perhaps getting our heads around the fact that we are going to see these recurrent surge waves. But does that mean that we need to bring back masks or does that, you know, or not? What, I, I suppose that's partly this. Yeah, I think in terms of care measuring the protective effect of masks, I think the high efficiency ones like the FFP2 masks, I think they do work and they offer uh, protection. But in terms of a quantitative measure, how protective at a population level, I think it would be difficult to use that as a basis to mandate masks again. And remember with the Omicron last Christmas time, last yeah. January, you know, masks were mandated at that time and within the space of about four to six weeks, about half the population got infected. Yeah, it escaped the masks entirely. So, so I think here we, we can do things like, you know, ventilation, air filtration. It's good for all respiratory uh, pathogens. I think testing still has some role in terms of more in terms of when to enter and exit uh, isolation. Um, we 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 have as well antivirals. That's that's some of the good news, maybe with the development of new uh, vaccines as well but I think definitely it, it's here to stay and we have to accept that this is an additional virus now that we have to deal with and in terms of our healthcare system yes. it may put additional burden so we have to look in terms of what are the consequences there in terms of the capacity two, of the health system Two other brief questions for you although I'm not sure the answers can be brief um, Firstly if it is a case that we're going to see huge numbers of people becoming infected in, in these recurrent ways because it's so transmissible but they're not seriously ill is there an argument for moving away from, from quarantine and all those sorts of measures simply because we're going to be isolating vast tracts of the population on a recurrent basis over what has become a relatively minor illness? That's that's the first thing I, I want to... to let, 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 let me ask you that first. Yeah, I think over time, Kira. yeah, we, we probably will get to that stage and we'll, we'll probably use what previously would have been advised, maybe we didn't do in terms of you've got symptoms, you've got respiratory systems, you know, stay at home while you have... Uh, symptoms and I think it'll probably get to that stage at some point yeah. uh, in time. Kira. And, the, and the other thing I should say is that with these very large waves of infection, remember, you know, people get that enhances their immunity as well. It's not necessarily the way we'd want to gain immunity, but that also gains long term in terms of enhances our immunity. Yes, over time and, as and, well. and so recurrent infection, of course, will enhance your immunity to some extent. But we've heard certainly some medics come out during the week and say that long COVID is more likely with recurrent infection and indeed that long COVID is having effects on the brain akin to, to closed head injuries and things like that. What's your take on long COVID, Paul? So, so long COVID, I think, definitely uh, exists. You know, it's, it's, it, the problem here is in terms of long COVID is coming up with very precise, you know, diagnostic means in terms of what, what long COVID is. We're still in the dark in terms of what the mechanism is in terms of what's driving that. So I think in terms of long COVID, we need more research uh, on that. We, we, I think we need to refine our diagnostic criteria to get more accurate estimates of the prevalence of long COVID. Uh, Jack uh, Lambert yesterday said we need better clinical infrastructure Sure. support uh, patients. I think that's a good thing. 
Okay. Ultimately, I think we under, need to understand it better, Kira, before we can begin to maybe develop drugs to try to try to treat it. Look, thank you very much for speaking to us this morning and for that insight. That is Professor of Immunology and Director of the Kathleen Lonsdale Institute for Human Health Research at Maynooth University, Professor Paul Moyna. Let us know this morning what your view, where, where you stand on COVID at the moment. Are you one of the people, and there are people who do want to bring back masks, who do want to bring back social distancing and those kinds of things, or are you someone who is of the mind, let's get on with it. We're all going to get it by the looks of things repeatedly. We're all probably going to get it every few months. Hopefully we won't get sick with it to a large extent. But where are you at this morning with all the sort of circulating news on COVID? 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or tweet us at NT Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.